Amen. Can we just bless the Lord tonight, church? Glory to God. Amen. I'm going to change things up a little bit tonight since we don't have PowerPoint and I'm doing more of a study than I am a sermon. I thought I'd come down here and be amongst you this evening. Amen. And the anointing is the same no matter where we are in God's house. Amen. Uh, like Pastor Darrell said, we don't have PowerPoint like normal for you to follow along, but if you are interested, I don't know if you noticed on your way in, at each entrance there are some uh, little handouts if you want to make those available to yourself. I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, after I'm done praying while I'm reading our text, if you want to go get one, you can get one. If we have ushers uh, that can hand them out, they can do that too. But uh, why don't we just go to the Lord in prayer? Before we go to the word, amen. Father God, we just thank you for this day, God. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your greatness. We thank you that you're here in this place tonight, God. We thank you that you have a word for us. We thank you for everything that you've brought us through today, through the trials and the tribulations, Father God, through the heartaches and the struggles. We thank you even for all the joys and the blessings of this day, God, because you've brought blessings into our lives as well. So we rejoice, God. In the good and we rejoice in the bad because you're Lord and you're good. So, Father, as always, I pray that your anointing would be upon us tonight, that you would rest upon me as you always do, God, that you would touch my mind and my body, that you would just fill every word, Father, with the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would come against all the distractions and the disruptions and the cares, Father God, of the day and the week and of our life, and that you would just allow us to receive your word tonight with gladness. I just pray for revelation, I pray for truth, for encouragement, and most of all, God, since we're on a lesson of faith, I pray that you would build us up in the most high faith. Help us to be children of faith, I pray, O God. Just lift us up to higher places in you and help us to walk by faith and not by sight. We trust in you this evening, God, with all of our cares and all of our concerns, with our past, our present, and even with our tomorrows. And we give you all the praise and all the glory and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. If you don't know, we are doing a study in Matthew chapter 14. Uh, We're going to specifically look at verses 13 through 33 as we... Uh, discovered last week, and you discovered last week, I'm kind of slow as we go through studies. I only got through two verses. I'm not sure how many verses we're going to get through this evening, uh, but I'm going to touch on the first couple again just to catch us back up. But here's what it says, starting in verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed the sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and a desolate place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not have to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, Jesus said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. How many of you are glad God has the power to satisfy us? Amen. 
and the disciples picked up the twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, probably three and a half miles, where it was buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and, he cr- and they cried out in fear. How many of you know that fear can cause us to, to not recognize God? We find ourselves in hard places and hard times and our heart just gets filled with fear. Sometimes it's hard to see God. And we'll get to that probably next week. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost. And they, they said and they cried out with fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. I am here. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Again, I'll stop because I won't get to this tonight. But how many of you know, no matter when we find ourselves sinking, all we got to do is cry out, save me. Amen. You don't have to cry some big old fancy prayer. You can just cry out, Lord, save me or heal me or help me. And Jesus or God has the power to immediately reach out and help us. So immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, the winds died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. And that's a lot to cover, so that's why I can't cover it in one night, because like I said, every verse is probably one sermon that I could preach on itself. But to quickly catch us up, so far what we've learned in verse 13 is that when Jesus heard the news, the news that he heard was about the execution of his cousin John the Baptist. He was his friend, he was his forerunner, and, and, he, and when he heard the news, the Bible says he pressed away to pray. He looked for a solitary place. When he heard the, the troubling news, his heart was burdened and his heart hurt. And what I want us to remember about this and be reminded of this is this verse shows us the humanity of Jesus Christ. And what we have to understand is that Jesus hurts just like we hurt. Jesus could be wounded just like we were wounded. He could be saddened just like we were saddened and grieved just like we're grieved. That's why the Bible says that he is acquainted with all of our griefs, intimately acquainted with all of our griefs and all of our sorrows. And here in verse 13, Jesus was grieved and he was hurt over the execution of his cousin John. So he looked for a place to press away. He looked for a place to get alone with God. And and what we have to remember is that Jesus was all God, but at the same time he was all man. And as a man, he needed to press away. As a man, he needed to connect with his Father, which is in heaven. And verse 13 reminds us that when we receive troubling news, like I said last week, 
When we receive sad news or we receive news that has the power to trouble our heart or sadden our heart or even break our heart, when, when the world is turned upside down or our world is turned upside down, when we're faced with situations or circumstances that have the power to deeply trouble our soul, what we learn from verse 13 is that just like Jesus, we need to press away. We need to find that solitary place where we can get alone with God, where we can pour out our hearts to God, where we can cast our cares on God, because He cares for us. Amen? How many of you are glad we have a Father that cares for us? doesn't matter what our situation, our circumstance, our hurt might be. All we have to do is cast those cares on Him because He cares for us. And this is what Jesus attempted to do in verse 14. He pressed away in a boat, the Bible tells us, to find a solitary place to pray. That place where he could be alone with the Father. But the Word tells us in 14 that the crowds followed him by foot all the way to the other side of the lake. And as soon as he got off the boat, they came to him. They came to him as soon as he stepped off the boat, the Bible says. And instead of sending them away... Instead of getting back on the boat, instead of changing, you know, actually he did change his plan because his plan was to go uh, find a solitary place, but he changed his plan and the Bible says he had compassion on them. And again, I asked the question, how many of you are glad that Jesus or God is never too busy for us? His hand's never too full, his plate's never too full, his calendar's never too full, that God or Jesus in this place demonstrated that he was willing to make our need more important than himself. His need was to get alone. His need or his plan was to get away, but he changed his plan for the need of the people. He'll do the same thing for you and me. So according to verse 14, after getting off of the boat, Jesus ministered to the people the entire day, the Bible says. Through the entire day, and at the close of that day, after healing the people, after teaching them, while bearing the loss, keep in mind, he was doing all of this while bearing the loss and the hurt and the heartache of his cousin and his, his uh, friend John. He did all of these things while bearing that loss. After doing all of that all day, he goes the extra mile And then he performs one of the great miracles of the Bible where he feeds 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. And he did all of this, and you may not get this and you may not grasp it, but we're going to attach this later, and you'll get it later next week. But what we need to understand is all of this happened after Jesus got off the boat. It wasn't until Jesus got off the boat that miracles took place. It wasn't until he stepped off the boat that he healed the sick and he opened blinded eyes and he mended uh, broken lives or broken hearts or broken families. It wasn't until he got off the boat that he turned five loaves and two fish into enough to feed 5,000. It wasn't until he stepped out of the boat that the supernatural began to take place, church. And later in the same chapter, we find that it wasn't until Peter stepped off of his boat in verse 29 that something supernatural happened in his life either. And we're not going to get to that till next week. But my point is simply this. Miracles don't take place in our comfort zone. Miracles don't take place in our complacency. 
Miracles don't take place in the midst of our mediocrity. We, they take place when we are willing to step out of our comfort zone. When we're willing to step out of our complacency and step out of mediocrity. Miracles begin to take place when we step out of our will and begin to do the will of the Father just like Jesus did. And we'll find out next week that another miracle took place when, when Peter did the same thing. He stepped out of his comfort zone. Please understand, Jesus in his humanity could have had comfort zones. He was man just like you and me. In his humanity, he could have stayed in the boat. In his humanity, he could have saw the crowd and turned and gone the other way. In his humanity, he could have tried to avoid them and find his place of solitude to get alone with the Father. But he came out of his comfort zone, church. And miracles began to happen. The reality is, my point is this, and I pointed out, it might seem completely insignificant to you, but Jesus stepped out of the boat and miracles happened. And I'm going to touch on that a little bit more as we go. Uh, What we have to understand is that miracles happen when we are willing to step out, church, step out in faith. They happen when we obey the voice of God just like Jesus did. See, Please keep this in mind, and I don't want to get super spiritual here, but you have to remember every time you hear a story about Jesus that Jesus never did anything unless his father told him to do it. I've told you this a thousand times, and here's what you have to comprehend. Jesus got out of that boat because his father told him to get out of the boat. He didn't. Please understand this. Now, you might think, oh, that's insignificant. You mean every step that Jesus took, the Father told him to take it? I'm going to say yes. Everything that Jesus did, his Father told him to do. Every place he went, his Father told him to go there. Every act, every deed, every word that he spoke, his Father told him to do it. So here I have to believe the same thing, that his Father told him to go across the lake or to send the disciples across the lake. And here, what we have to understand is that God, His Father, I believe, told Him to get off the boat too. I told you in His humanity, He could have done a hundred different things. But He obeyed the voice of His Father, and when He did, miracles happened. In verse 14, as insignificant as it may seem, it was the Father's will for Jesus to step out of the boat. Like He said, He could have stayed in the boat. He could have preached from the boat. He could have diverted his course, like I said. He could have gotten back in the boat and blessed them and said, y'all have a good day and gone his way. But he stepped out of the boat. And when he did, miracles started to happen. And the will of the Father was done in the lives of other people as well. And lives were touched and lives were changed. But the reality is it wasn't until he stepped out that miracles began to happen. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad that Jesus stepped out for me. You see, the reality is Jesus stepped out for you and Jesus stepped out for me. He stepped out. You find out all through Scripture, Jesus was always stepping out of His will in order to do the Father's will. 
You know, the famous time that he stepped out of his will was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right before he was crucified on the cross, he stepped out of his will. He said, not my will, but thy will be done. He stepped out of his will to do the will of the Father. And guess what? Miracles happened because of it. The miracle of salvation, the miracle of healing, because on the cross, it says, by his stripes on the cross, I'm healed. The the willingness of Jesus to step out of his comfort zone or the willingness of Jesus Jesus to step out of his own will in order to do the will of the Father. The willingness of Jesus to step out of his plan in order to accomplish the Father's plan led to multiple miracles all throughout his life. You and I are here today because Jesus stepped out of heaven. You and I are here today because Jesus stepped out of his throne room and he came down here onto a place called earth and he made himself nothing, church. He stepped out of his plan and his place in order to do the Father's will. Remember in this story in verse 14 or 15, Jesus' plan, he said it, was to go across the river or go across the lake to find a place of solitude. That was his plan. But the Father changed his plan. And he stepped out of that plan, and when he did, miracles took place, church. And my point is simply this. If you want miracles to happen in your life, if you want the supernatural to take place in your life, you have to be willing to do the same exact thing. You have to be willing to step out of your comfort zone. You have to be willing to step out in faith, faith in the Father, faith that his plan is better than my plan, that his will is better than my plan, that his ways are higher than my ways, that his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. But you know what? We get in trouble when we think our plans are better than his plans. That our will is better than His will. That our thoughts are better than His thoughts. The reality is, I can't believe it, we as created individuals sometimes think our plan is better than God's. Oh, this thought that I got in my head. Man, it's such an excellent thought. And we begin to question God's thoughts. And when we do that, church, miracles don't happen. Miracles only happen. When we are willing to step out in faith, faith that the Father's plan is better than my plan, His thoughts are better than my thoughts, His will better than my will. He stepped out of His will. He stepped out of His comfort zone for every single one of us. He stepped out and did the will of the Father. He didn't have to stay on the shore here. He didn't have to heal them, but He did. He didn't have to step down from His throne in glory, but He did. The reality is, all my point is this, miracles don't take place in our comfort zone. They don't take place in mediocrity. They happen when we are willing to step out. And they happen when we are willing to obey the voice of God. So if you want something great to happen in your life, something supernatural to happen in your life, something uh, wonderful to happen in your life, you have to be willing to obey the voice of God. Amen? I'm going to jump ahead and then I'm going to come backwards, but I want to jump ahead to verse 22. It says, after performing this miracle of multiplication, after performing the miracle of feeding 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish, it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside to pray by himself. And the lesson we learned from this last week is that sometimes God says, let us go, and sometimes he says, you go. 
Sometimes he climbs into the boat with us, and sometimes he says, go on ahead of me, like he does here in Matthew 14, 22. In Luke 8, 22 was the story of another time when they crossed over the, the, the lake and Jesus said, let us get in the boat, let us go over to the other side. But here in Matthew 14, 22, he said, you all go on ahead of me, church, because sometimes he leads us and sometimes he sends us. Amen? Sometimes he gets in the boat with us and sometimes he wants us to go on ahead of him. Because the reality is sometimes he, he moves the mountains and sometimes we have to move them ourselves. This is all about spiritual maturity. This is all about spiritual growth. This is all about faith and this is all about obedience. And the reality is sometimes God will take us by the hand and lead us across the lake or go with us across the lake. And sometimes he lets go and says, walk on your own. How many of you had kids, raised kids? Okay, in order to teach them to walk, sometimes you hold them and sometimes you let go because you want them to learn to walk all by themselves. You don't want them walking around 33 years old, hanging on to mommy's hand and daddy's hand, not knowing how to walk. Sometimes you've got to teach your kids to walk all by themselves. And that's what God does with us. Sometimes he lets go so you can walk all by yourself. So you can develop this thing called faith. Faith that he's always with me, whether I feel like it or not. How many of you know sometimes you can go through life and feel like God's not there? Sometimes you're going to go through situations and circumstances where you're going to feel like God's not there. But faith keeps walking. Faith keeps moving. Faith keeps going on. Faith keeps believing that my Father loves me enough, that His plan is good enough, that His will is perfect enough, that He's not going to allow me to suffer, even though I don't feel like He's with me, church. Unfortunately, I know a lot of people who are sitting around waiting for Jesus to get in the boat when He's already told them to go, like I said last week. Far too many people I know are waiting for the comfort of His presence. They want to feel like Jesus is right there up next to them. And when they feel that way, everything's perfect and everything's great. But when it feels like Jesus isn't there, all of a sudden they lose faith, they lose hope, they lose joy, they lose peace, they lose patience, they lose everything because they don't feel like Jesus is right up snuggled beside them. The reality is there will times, there may be more times in your life where it will feel like Jesus isn't with you or God isn't with you than he feels like he's all snuggled up close. That's the way this world is, church. That's the way life is. Sometimes it feels like he's a million miles away. And the sad reality is far too often we're sitting in the boat waiting to feel the comfort of his presence when he's already said by faith, I want you to go and I want you to go alone knowing that I will be with you. Amen. Far too often we're waiting for the comfort of his presence waiting for the comfort of the feeling of his presence rather than trusting in the word that he's already spoken into our lives. Trusting in the word that he's spoken into our lives. We're waiting for, we're waiting for that feeling of his presence when he's already said, go. We're waiting for the comfort of that feeling of his presence when he's already said, 
Don't be afraid. When he's already said, be strong and courageous. When he's already said, go and possess the land. He's spoken words into every one of our lives. And instead of stepping out on those words with faith, believing that those words have power, believing those words are the will of the Father, we're waiting for him to snuggle up beside us in the boat before we launch off. The reality is you won't always feel it, church. But it's in those times when we don't feel it that faith has to rise up. The faith that my Father made me a promise that no matter where I am and no matter what I feel like, no matter what the situation or circumstance might be, He will never leave me and He will never forsake me. Never. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where it's felt like God was a million miles away. You know, everything was right in my life. I knew I wasn't in sin. I knew that there wasn't things that I had to just absolutely get right. And even in those times, you can feel like he's a million miles away. Job felt like God was a million miles away in the midst of his suffering, in the midst of his loss. He was the most righteous man on the earth, and yet he felt like God was a million miles away million miles away but he had to continue to just live by faith amen the reality is if we want to see the supernatural take place in our lives if we want to possess the promise we have to learn to get past the feeling of his presence and just trust in it instead We have to trust in the word that's already been spoken into our lives, like I said. And we have to learn to walk by faith and not by feelings. So often I hear things like, I I just didn't feel them today. I didn't feel the power today. I didn't feel the flow today. I've even said things like that. I've even questioned the t- certain times that I've preached, and I know our pastor's done the same thing. I didn't feel it today. Listen, there's not every day I'm going to feel the whoop glory like pastor feels. I'm not going to feel the jump. I'm not going to feel the shout. I'm not going to feel it, but I still have to walk by faith. I have to walk by faith that the anointing is still there, that the Spirit is still there, that the truth and the revelation is still there, that my Father's still there and the Spirit is still there. I have to walk by faith no matter what I feel like. But so often I hear those things. I didn't feel the power. I didn't feel the flow. I didn't feel the anointing. I didn't feel His presence. I didn't feel the tingle. And I I didn't feel the touch. I didn't feel the, the brush of angels' wings on me today. And the sad reality is, for some sad reason, we think God's not in it just because we didn't feel it. God wasn't there today. I didn't feel the touch. God wasn't there today. I didn't feel the tingle. Didn't feel the whoop. You understand what I'm saying, church? So many times we think God's not in it because we didn't feel the mountain move. Because we didn't feel the ground shake. Because we didn't feel the earth tremble. Because we didn't feel the thunder rumble. Because we didn't feel the the strong rushing wind. And sometimes we forget that God's not always in that. Sometimes he shows up in the still, quiet, small voice. But we're just so waiting for that feeling that we miss God when he whispers. 
We're waiting for the thunder and the rumble. We're waiting for the lightning and the flashes. And we're waiting for the earth to shake beneath my feet. And we miss him when he shows up in the still small voice. Because we're sitting on the boat waiting to feel the comfort of his presence. And we're getting nowhere because of it. Nowhere. Because we haven't learned to walk by faith. Because we're walking by feeling and we're walking by sight. And it's all about how I feel today. Oh, I feel good, so I'll worship. I I feel good, so I'll give. I feel good, so I'll sing. I feel good, so I'll serve. We are to sing no matter what we feel like. We're to worship no matter what we feel like. We're to serve no matter what we feel like. We're to give to the house of God, the family, no matter what we feel like, church. Wow, oh, do you understand what I'm saying? I need a watch because there's no time back there. I got one right here. If I go long, forgive me. Oh, I got time. Amen. Thank you, Willie. But far too often, we think God's in it. Not in it because we don't feel it. We think God's not in the boat. We don't feel Him. We think He's not in the fire because we don't feel Him. All we feel is the heat. We don't think He's in the flood because we don't feel Him. All we feel is the rushing water. All we feel is the water over the boat. We don't feel God. We feel the the rocking and the tossing and the wind blowing in our face. And we feel the chaos, but we don't feel Jesus, so we don't think He's in it. We don't think God's in it. Faith keeps rowing. Faith keeps going. Faith keeps doing. Faith keeps believing, whether we feel like it or not. Amen? So often, because we don't feel it. We think God's not in it, church. And we, we live by feelings and instead of by faith. We, we live by sight instead of by faith. Let me ask you a question. I couldn't help but think. Do you think Jesus felt the Father while he was hanging on Golgotha's hill? You think he felt the Father when he was nailed up on an old rugged cross? You, feel, you think he felt the, the presence of his Father when he was being beaten, battered, and bruised? When his beard was being ripped out of his face? When he had a crown of thorns shoved down on his head, do you think he felt the presence and the warmth of his father when he cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The reality is he did not feel the Father when he was hanging on Calvary's cross. He felt alone. He felt rejected. He felt abandoned. He felt all alone, church. He felt like the Father was a million miles away. It's why he cried out what he cried out. Because he just felt abandoned. And sometimes we might feel the same exact thing. But here's the point that I'm trying to make. It didn't matter what Jesus felt like as he was up there on Calvary's cross. He stayed there because by faith he knew the Father was with him. By faith, he understood that the Father would never abandon him, no matter what he felt like. Jesus never walked by feelings. He never walked by sight. He walked by faith in his Father, church. 
He walked by faith in the plan that his father had. And his plan was to redeem all of mankind unto himself. Jesus had faith in that plan. He stayed on the cross when he could have called 10,000 angels because he knew, listen, he knew his father was all over that cross. He knew his father was all over that cross because it was part of God's plan. If you and I could understand the will of God, that when we step out into the will of God, when we do the will of God, when we step out by faith, no matter what it looks like and feels like, if we could just realize and have faith that God is all over this situation, our life would be different. If we would stop living by feelings and just start living by faith. Listen, you might, you might be going through hell and high water in your family situation. But I want you to know that when you have faith in God, put your trust in God and your confidence in God, He's all over that situation. All over your kids that seem to be wandering in who knows what direction, headed towards hell. And you live by faith and not by feelings. God's all over that. He's all over that situation. We just have to learn to have faith in that and trust in that. Amen? That God's got it. How many of you know God's got it? So we have to trust that way. We have to walk that way. We have to live that way. The truth is, Jesus didn't feel the Father when He was hanging on Calvary's cross. He he walked, but yet He continued on, and we have to learn to do the same thing. We have to learn that faith has nothing to do with feelings. How many of you know feelings are fickle? Feelings will betray you. Feelings will deceive you. Feelings can destroy you if you allow them to run your life. I know people who, who, who allow feelings to rule their life and they're a mess. They're a mess. I'm like, good God, how can I help them out of this one? That's, feel, that's what feelings will do. Don't ever let your life be run by feelings. It has to be run by faith. It has to be run in, by, by trust in the Word of God in your life. Far too often we, we allow feelings to control us. We, we allow feelings to, to dictate to us, church. We cannot live by feelings. They'll torture us. And they'll turn on us. You've been there. Your emotion can be here one, one second. Woo! Over here in this. And that's the way some of us live our Christian life. Woo, 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 woo. Because we're living our life based on feelings. And Jesus is trying to teach the disciples this thing called faith. Through all of chapter 14, he's trying to mature them. He's trying to get them to walk by faith and not by sight, church. And we're going to get to that just in a few minutes and then even the next week. But nowhere in Scripture does it tell us that we are to live by feelings. Nowhere in Scripture does it tell us that we're to move by feelings, that we're to make decisions based on feelings. Well, I feel this way. That could be a burrito. Some of us make decisions that way in life. Oh, it feels good. That's what the world says. Remember the old Nike? uh, Somebody, if it feels good, do it. What was that? Was that Nike? Feels good, do it. 
Good God, how worldly can you get? And how foolish can you get? Because death can feel good in the beginning. The things that bring death can feel good in the beginning. And a lot of you know exactly what I'm talking about, church. You have to understand. We have to be able to walk by faith, church, and not by sight. The Bible tells us that without faith, it's what? It's impossible to please the Lord. How many of you want to please the Lord? Then we have to learn the lesson of faith. Amen? We have to learn the lesson of faith. You can see this farther, this lesson a little bit farther. If you look back, we were at 22. Now I'm going to go back to verse 15 again. You can see it further when you look back at the previous miracle of the feeding 5,000 in verse 15 where it tells us that the disciples came to Jesus and they said to him after he was ministering, he saw that they were hungry and saw the need. They came to Jesus and they said, this is a desolate place and it's late. So send the people home so they can buy some food for themselves in the villages. And I stop here to show you exactly where the disciples were spiritually at this point in their faith walk or in their their spiritual life, okay? How many of you know we all got to grow? Start out babies and we hope to end up mature. Jesus was taking these disciples on a spiritual journey, on a maturing process. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you into disciples. He didn't say, follow me, and immediately you will be a fisher of men, and immediately you will be a disciple, and immediately you will know all things, and immediately you will be perfect. It's a making process. Amen? And how many of you are glad God's not finished making you yet? He's not finished making me either, and I thank God, because if he was, I'd want a refund. He said, they came to him and said, this is a desolate place. It's late, so send the people away so they can buy food. Here's what I want you to see. They saw the time because they said it was late. They saw the sun was beginning to set. They saw the conditions because it says they noticed that it was a desolate place. It was an uninhabited place, that there was no super Walmart nearby. There was no mini mart nearby, that there was no uh, fruit stand at the corner. It was a desolate place. That's what they saw. They saw the crowd and saw how many they were. The Bible says in this passage of Scripture that they saw the need. And the need was food. That was the need. It was food because the people were hungry. They saw all of those things. And they saw it in the natural. But what they didn't see was the supply. What they didn't see was the sufficiency. What they didn't see was Jehovah Jireh, their provider. What they didn't see was the bread of life who was standing right there beside of them. What they didn't see was the one who could satisfy the thirsty and fill the hungry with all good things. What they didn't see yet was Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And if you listen to what I read here, and we'll get to it next week, it, was at, it wasn't until verse 33 where they saw the Son of the living God. All they saw here was a teacher. All they saw here was maybe a rabbi. All they, but they did not see the provider. They did not see the supplier. They did not see the bread of life. They did not see the precious Lamb of God. They did not see the Son of God. They did not see because you have to, be, you have, to have spiritual eyesight to see that. All they saw was the natural need. All they saw was the desolation. All they saw was the lack of food. All they saw was no mini-mart. All they saw was the numbers. All they saw was the sun was going down and the time was growing late. How many of you know in the, in the natural, it can always look late? In the natural, it can look like the odds are stacked against us. In the natural, it'll look like it's impossible. In the natural, it looks like, 
whatever. But in the supernatural realm where faith lives and moves and breathes, you see things that you'll never see in the natural. If they were walking by faith, they would have seen the bread of life. If they were walking by faith, they would have seen the answer to the need. If they were walking by faith, they would have never said it's too late. Because when you have faith in God, you know it's never too late for God. He's always on time. He never slumbers and he never sleeps. And there's nothing too difficult for God. You know that when you walk by faith. What this shows me is they had not yet developed spiritual eyesight to see the things that they should have seen. And the sad reality is there's a lot of us, even in the house of God, who are in that same place. All they can see is the natural need. All they can see is the desolation. All they can see is the trouble. All they can see are the odds that are stacked against them. All they can see is that it's late. Sun's going down. And that's where so many Christians live. They live in this place of the natural where that's all they can see. And guess what happens? That devastates them and that controls them. When you live in the natural, the natural will control you. The natural will destroy you. The desolation, when you and I don't know how to walk by faith in all of these things, the attacks of the enemy come into our life, those things will overtake us. The desolation will overtake us. Oh, it's such a dry and dead place. Oh, it's, a, it's such a wilderness. Oh it's, so, oh, it's so empty. Oh, where's God? Oh, it's... That's where you'll live. When you live in the natural. You just don't see what you should see. What they, what they should have seen and what Jesus was trying to teach them to see was the supply and the sufficiency. That's what he was trying to teach them. What they said doesn't sound like faith. This is a desolate place and it's late to send the people home so they can buy food for themselves. What they were saying was this place is too desolate. The time is too late. The need is too big, Jesus. So send them home so they can feed themselves. Send them home. They didn't see the supply. They didn't see the sufficiency. They didn't see the answer to the need when it was standing right there next to them. Amen? Send them home, the disciples said. Send them home so they can feed themselves. But what did Jesus say in verse 16? This one kind of floors me when I read it, and I can't imagine what was going on in their heart and in their mind. He said, no. He said, no. He said, there's no need to send them home. Now, we're going to look at that. There's no need to send them home. You give them something to eat. Think about this. Young disciples, anxious to follow Jesus, seeing a crowd of almost 15,000 people, and they come to Jesus and say, send all these people home. It's getting late, Jesus. Send them home. There's no mini-mart. Send them home so they can feed themselves, so they can go to the market themselves, so they can satisfy themselves, so they can feed themselves. And Jesus said, no, I'm not going to send them home. You feed them. You feed them. Imagine that. Jesus pulling aside one of the disciples, standing in front of 15,000 people. You're the one that's carrying a little sack full of lunch. And and this is all we got. And and Jesus said, feed them. Woo! I think I looked for the first exit. Feed them. 
There's no need to send them away. Why would Jesus say that? There's no need to send them away. He said there is no need to send them away because the need can be met right here. They don't have to go home. They don't have to go to a village. The need can be met right here. You don't have to run here and you don't have to run there. The need can be met right here. There's several truths you can get from this. You find yourself in a difficult place, a difficult situation, a difficult trial or tribulation. You find yourself in heartache and headache. The first thing we want to do is run here and run there. We want to run to that person and run to this person and run to that person. And Jesus is saying, there's no need to run there and no need to run. You can meet the need right here. Because I'm here. All you got to do is find this place of prayer and call out on me. And like I helped Peter later, I'll help you. No need to send them away because the need can be met right here. There's no need to send them away, disciples, because you have what you need to feed them. That's what Jesus was trying to teach them, that you have what you need to feed them. Not in themselves, But Jesus was right there. He was trying to get them to recognize they had right in their midst what they needed, church. All we need is Jesus. All we ever need is Jesus. When you're going through trouble, all you need is Jesus. When you're going through sickness, all you need is Jesus. When you're going through lack, all you need is Jesus. That's all we need. We think we need a hundred other things. Amen? That's the way we act because we're low on faith when we act that way. But when we're high on faith, we understand that we have what we need. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, and I give it to you. He said, I've given you authority over every unclean spirit. He said, I've given you everything you need pertaining to life and godliness. That's what he said to us. So no matter what situation we find ourselves in, we don't have to go back home to the villages. We got what we need right here. But only faith will release that. Only faith will will realize that and understand that, church. Jesus didn't say, I'll feed them. He said, you feed them yourselves. Because he was pressing them. He was stretching them. He was testing them. How many of you know Jesus, God will do the same thing with us? He'll stretch us. He'll test us. He'll pull us. He'll try to increase our faith. He'll try to increase our spiritual maturity. He said, you feed them. He pressed them and stretched them, church. And he'll do the same exact thing with us. But in Mark chapter 8, as I begin to wind this down, Mark chapter 8, verse 4, there's another story. It's another version. They replied, what are we to feed them with in this desolate place? Or in other words, they said, feed them with what, Jesus? What are we supposed to feed them with here in this desolate place? What are we supposed to feed them with at 9 o'clock at night or 7 o'clock at night? There's no markets near. What are we supposed to feed them with? Put into my language, feed them with what? I'm thinking if Jesus would have said that to me as a newborn Christian and maybe even still today, okay? I'm just being honest. That he would have said, you feed them. I would have said, feed them with what? Feed them with what? And the secret answer, or the secret solution that Jesus was hoping that they would one day discover, and maybe even discover right then, is that you feed them with faith, church. Jesus wanted the disciples to feed the people with their faith. Because how many of you know faith can feed a household? You understand that? 
you know that you can feed a household with faith. You can fill your cupboard up with faith. You can feed a hundred with faith and you can feed 5,000 with faith. Jesus didn't feed these 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. He fed them with his faith in the Father. And that's what he wanted the disciples to do. He wanted them to feed the 15,000 people by faith. Listen, it could have been a Cracker Jack box and he would have still fed them. It wasn't the five loaves and the two fish. It could have been a chunk of cheese and Jesus would have still fed them. He had faith in the Father. The, 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 his faith in the Father is what created the, the uh, miracle church. And this is what he was teaching them. He wanted to feed them with faith because faith can feed a multitude. Amen? And according to Romans 12:3, each of us has been given a measure of faith. Each of us, the Bible says. There's no one in the family of God that does not have a measure of faith. It might be tiny and it might be big. But every single one of us that are here tonight, if you call yourself a Christian, believe that you've been born again, God has given you a measure of faith. And the Bible also tells us that if you have faith, Jesus said, I believe in Matthew 17, 20, he said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, which is the tiniest seed there is. So he's making an example that even if you have the smallest measure of faith that has been given out to the people, well, I don't have mountain moving. Yes, you do. Because to every one of us have been given a measure of faith. And even if your faith is as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou moved, and it will move. But it will only move if you exercise the faith. If you only step out in faith. If you only tell the mountain to move. Or command the sickness to move. Or command Goliath to move. Or command the wall of Jericho to move. If you have a measure of faith and you exercise it, you can say to this mountain, be moved, and it will obey. You feed them, he said. Because sometimes God will feed them, and sometimes he wants us to feed them with faith. Sometimes God will step in and do the work, and sometimes he, he wants the work to be done by faith. Because if God did it all the time, how would we mature? If Jesus stepped in all the time, if you did for your kids all the time, how will they ever grow up? Fifty years old. Because sometime you got to take away the bottle. And if you don't, they'll never mature. And Jesus is teaching us that our Heavenly Father operates the same exact way. That sometimes he wants us to walk by faith, church. Sometimes he'll move the mountain. Sometimes he wants you to take out the shovel of faith and start digging yourself. And it might take a night and it might take a day and it might take 25 years, church, to move a mountain. But you still keep doing it by faith. Noah had faith in the word of God. And how long did it take him to build the ark? A hundred years. 100 years he kept hammering by faith. 100 years he kept sawing by faith. 100 years he kept chopping trees down by faith. 100 years he kept tying them up to elephants by faith. And we've got to do the same thing sometimes because sometimes God will build it and sometimes he wants us to build it. Amen? I've got to widen this down. You feed them, he said, because sometimes he'll feed them, but sometimes he wants us to feed them with faith. But they didn't use their faith. They looked at the natural which was five loaves and two fish. 
And they asked, how can we feed all these people with this? Five loaves and two fish and a little brown lunch sack. How can I feed all of them with this? And Jesus showed them how. By faith. Because Jesus took that little bag. Might have been this big right here. Can I use that? Maybe it was that big. Five little pitas and a couple little fish. And by faith, he held it up to the Father. He gave thanks for it. He blessed it. And he began to break it by faith. And it fed 15,000 people. And 12 baskets were left over. Amen? Why? Because of faith. Faith can feed a multitude. Faith can feed your family. Faith can fill your cupboard. Faith can make your body well. Faith can bring a job. Faith can bring a promotion. Faith faith can uh, create a corporation. Faith can get you through school. Faith will get you the diploma. By faith you can do all of these. By faith. Read Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. People did all these things. They would have never done it without faith because without faith it's impossible to please the Lord. Amen? By faith. Jesus showed them how to do the impossible. Jesus showed them how to feed a multitude. Jesus showed them how to, how to do things supernaturally. You do them by faith. You cannot perform a miracle in the natural. I don't care how much strength you have, how much wisdom you have, how much money you have. You cannot perform a miracle in the natural. It is always in the supernatural. Amen? How many of you want to live by faith? Walk by faith. I'm going to have to cut it off here. I want you to stand to your feet if you want to live by faith. I'll have to pick up next week. i got some more stuff. But here's, here's the question tonight. Or here's the, the goal tonight is for us to get from living by feelings to living by faith. Moving by feelings to moving by faith. This whole chapter is about getting us out of our comfort zone. This whole chapter is about getting us out of our own will. This whole chapter is about getting us to step out of our comfort zone, to step out of our will in order to do the will of the Father, in order to learn to walk by faith. And when we do those things, and all of a sudden the supernatural begins to envelop our lives. How many of you want the supernatural to move through your life, through your marriage, through your home, your finances, whatever it might be? Then our prayer tonight is, God, help me. Help me to walk by faith. Help me to live by faith and not by sight. Help me to have spiritual eyes that can see the supplier and see the sufficiency. That spiritual eyes that can see the deliverer. Spiritual eyes that can see the healer. Spiritual eyes that can only see what can turn this situation around. Amen? If you want to see with spiritual eyes, you just lift up a hand and pray with me. Amen? Father God, I thank you for your word this evening. I thank you, God, that you want to build up people of faith, God. It's why you have me in Matthew 14. I know I'm applying this to my own life, God. So if no one else applies anything, God, I commit myself to to studying this word and applying this because I want to walk by faith and not by sight. 
God, I want the supernatural to happen in my life. I want miracles to happen in my life and through my life, God, like you were trying to get to happen in the lives of the disciples and through the lives of the disciples, God. And every single one of us here, God, that should be our heart to have, hap- to have miracles happen in our lives and through our lives as well. God, it should be our desire to be mature in the Lord, God. So help us when we find ourselves in situations and circumstances, God, when it feels like you're a million miles away, that we would trust in the fact that you never leave us or forsake us, to trust in the word that has already been spoken into our lives, God. God, I believe that one of the reasons that so many of us struggle with our faith is because we don't have enough word in our lives to stand on, God, to stand firm on certain words, to stand firm on your promises that are in the Bible, promises that are yes and amen to those who believe the Bible says. But God, if we don't know the promises, how can we stand on them? If we don't know the Word, how can we walk on the Word? How can we be strengthened by the Word? How can we have faith in the Word? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So God, I pray that we would start there. To become people of faith, we need to be people of the Word. So help us to take in the Word. Help us to soak in the Word. Help us to be hungry for the Word and desirous for the Word, God. So that we can stand firm on the Word. God, where there's any doubt in this place, turn it into faith. Where there's any unbelief, turn it into belief, God. Help us to be people that are willing to get out of the comfort zone, God. To not live our entire Christian life in a place of complacency or a place of mediocrity, God. Where we don't trust in our own flesh and think we can't do it. Like Moses said, I can't go do that impossible because I can't even talk straight. He looked at himself instead of looking to you. But when you revealed yourself at the burning bush, God, his life changed. Reveal yourself to us in greater ways so that we can have faith in you and not a lack of faith in our own inadequacies, God. Fill us up with faith. Fill us up with your spirit. Let this word become rich to us. Let it, become, uh, let it become food for the soul, God, and food for thought as we go through the week and go through our lives. I pray that you would be a hedge about us, God, as we go. That you would hem us in, that you would cover us and protect us from the evils of the enemy, Lord. That you would widen the steps beneath our feet, that you would hold us upright, God, and that you would help us to always understand no matter what we feel like, you are with us in the fire in the flood on the cross no matter where we might be god help us to be people of faith i just thank you for your goodness i thank you for your love i thank you for your mercy we ask that you would go with us and bless us and all of god's people said amen amen can we just bless them one more time church I'll just pick up next week where I left off. I've still got several things to touch. If you've got a special need, we'll tarry with you. The prayer team will pray with you. Otherwise, go and walk by faith and not by sight. Amen.